Coming up on Over a Barrel. In some areas of the country, gas prices have been skyrocketing. In areas of California, for example, today, Matt, ooh, I hope you're sitting down six bucks a gallon. Over a Barrel starts right now. Welcome to Over Barrel. I'm your co-host Patrick Dahan here again with my other co-host Matt McLean. How's it uh, going, Matt? Patrick? Yeah, it's, it's going great. How are you? It's getting chilly outside. In fact, I think you know we were talking off uh, off mic, and and you're enjoying a fall beverage. I think you said a pumpkin pie latte, not pumpkin spice. Ooh, I'm interesting. Enjoying it. You know, a lot, a lot more C stores are kind of making the foray into those, you know, more unique beverages. And I don't want to get too far off topic. But, you know, since we do talk about gas stations and <laughs> C stores a lot, you know, a lot of those and some of them woo you in with discounts. You know, some of my favorite uh, C stores have discounts on some of those fall beverages. And, the, you know, they have they have cold weather beverages that are on discount in the summer and then they switch over to the, you know, the cappuccinos and, and all the flavored hot drinks for the oh, cooler yeah. months. And they always get me to go inside just for those deals. And I know at least in my neck of the woods uh, I, that a lot of the times the hot food for breakfast and other items, a lot of times will be cheaper at the C stores even than like the fast yeah. food restaurants and other aspects. And quite honestly, usually tastier. Yeah, somehow. I mean, yeah, they're, they're getting uh, they've really closed the space. I mean, there's a reason why C stores are now, you know, kind of threatening QSRs, quick service restaurants, because C stores are are really executing in a really good way. Oh, fresh food. You can order it in advance. It's ready when you're there. So mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, going back to the outside of the gas pump, Matt, we have um, and, and we always say this, but there, there's um, for, for those that are, you know, seeing falling gas prices, um, we're going to enlighten folks by telling people that. In some areas of the country, gas prices have been skyrocketing in areas of California, for example, today, Matt. Ooh, I hope you're sitting down six bucks a gallon. Uh, that just sounds like torture. I'm paying well about almost a little over half of that uh, price point is what I'm paying per gallon. How is this possible in the same country that yeah. gas prices, the spread could be so dramatic that I'm paying just a little over half the cost of what folks in California and I'm assuming Washington State and Oregon are coming close to paying? That's I can't imagine those two states are a whole <laughs> lot further behind. Well, you know, there, there is a little bit of a disconnect, and this is a, a, a great way to segue into this conversation. You know, a lot of politicians have been talking about, you know, the price of oil, the price of gasoline going up. And a lot of them have been, say, been saying, you know, thanks, Biden, um, because that's what politicians do is they point finger at the person who's not their guy. Right. Um, and they like to blame them. So they have been uh, a lot of these politicians. And I've, I've been on Twitter kind of going after these folks for misinforming the public, because, you know, while there is some impact, the optics from what the Biden administration is doing, a lot of people are, are a little bit wrong in how that's impacting the current price of gasoline. And everyone, all these politicians are wrongly saying, oh, you know, Biden cracked down on oil production. Well, actually, oil production is up two million barrels a day from when Biden came into the White House. And it's not thanks to Biden. It's thanks to U.S. oil companies. The difference here, Matt, 
You know, a lot of us have been focused on the price of oil. We've talked about the price of oil, the Saudis, the Russians, OPEC, all of this other stuff. The price of oil at $91 a barrel, I mean, it's, it's high. But a lot of people are like, well, why when oil is only 91, our gas price is five and $6 in California. So that perfect segue into what's happening. And all these politicians have been stuck on the price of oil. And nobody's really talked about the fact that it's the refining situation that is causing these prices to go up, Matt. And and in your neck of the woods there, there aren't any refinery, major refinery outages. But how how often in the last couple of weeks, you know, we talked about the Corn Belt, right? I think Mm -hmm. three weeks ago and prices were exploding there. And now we're talking about Southern California and Arizona and Nevada. I've gotten calls from all three of those areas wondering what the heck is going on. So refineries, Matt, that is the key to most of the conversation. If your prices have been going up significantly in the last few weeks, it's not necessarily the price of oil. The price of oil has taken a backseat to refining. So let's get into that. Refining has been the story here. So it's kind of refining infrastructure issues, not so much the the, the raw product, if you will, that's Correct. creating issues. Ah, so that's why folks in California are paying almost double from what I'm paying. Exactly. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out, I, I grew up in Missouri, right? So I, I actually grew up in the Ozark Mountains, and I never knew Missouri was known as a corn state. Now, Nebraska, Kansas, and you know other places like that, absolutely. But I you, I know you kind of lumped Missouri into that. And <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, I'm thinking Ozark Mountains. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm like, corn? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Threw me corn? off a little bit. Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, part of the state. And, and you know, it, it, sometimes we just have to come up with the easiest way to describe an area. I think Missouri probably <laughs> isn't one of those areas I would consider necessarily the Corn Belt. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting how we think of geography. But to your point, yeah, I think of immediately Nebraska, Iowa, you know, even Illinois. Right. As a huge corn producing state. Uh, but anyway, you know, some of those good thing we we talked about these states, they are seeing relief now in the Corn Belt because not all of the refinery issues have been solved. But more importantly, Matt, as we talked about, the changeover to winter gasoline happened last week, Saturday on the 16th. And so not that the refinery situation just suddenly improved overnight, but the standards eased for what gasoline can be used. And so very quickly. When all of a sudden the standards shift, um, generally when they become easier, when the standards improve and it's easier to produce a gallon of gasoline, that generally means that there's more available supply that basically changed overnight because those those rules expired. And that's why the situation's improved there. But for areas of Southern California, Matt, this is the thing that you know we could dive a little bit more into is that we have lost the title of the world's largest refining uh, entity or the world's largest country um, in terms of refining capacity. Uh, we lost that because of, of less investment. First of all, there have been a lot of expansions peppered in over the years, Matt. There's been, um, you know, even in fact, one expansion came online this year. Uh, ExxonMobil's refinery in Texas expanded by 275,000 barrels a day, which is actually a, a decent size expansion. The problem has been that there's not been a whole lot of other investment. And so U.S. refining capacity has declined. The number of refineries has declined over the years. It's been kind of a survival of the fittest. And part of this is because of regulation, the Clean Air Act, right? It became a little bit more difficult to be a refinery in business. So some refineries went out of business and the refineries that were left got the power of economics by expanding their size. They became more efficient. And so now we have fewer refineries, Matt, but they're a lot bigger. 
And so when we have refinery issues, depending on where those issues are, they can be much more problematic than they used to be. And in Southern California, for example, it started with the hurricane you know, that dumped a bunch of rain and, and mm -hmm. caused power outages. And then the and then the earthquake itself, which is why it's right. called an earthquake. Right. So th those two events, you know, knocked out a couple of refineries and it's just been issues since then. And now we're in the fall when normal maintenance is happening. And so really the problem for California and Nevada and Arizona has been very unique. And while, by the way, Arizona is on a winter blend of gasoline, it's still a different type of gasoline than California and much of the rest of the area. So, you know, the, the blend in Arizona's got easier, but they still have a, their own specification. So Arizona has been getting punished a little bit more. And people have been asking why for on winter gasoline in Arizona, are there still such huge differences? Because you're still on a slightly cleaner version of winter gasoline compared to some of the other areas. So it's all about refining. So I've got a question, and I'm sure it's going to make way too much logical sense for the crazy, wacky world that we live in. Um, when would the uh, when do you think the EPA or somebody else, the Department of Energy, uh, will finally say, OK, listen, uh, we're one country when it comes to gasoline. We've just got to figure out a blend that's just going to make sense for everybody and enforce that instead of letting, you know, territories, regions, states, whatever, kind of decide on their own, which I would have common to think sense as, for yeah. the government. Matt, come on, well, get out of I here. Mean, I would have to think uh, for refineries, this has to be a nightmare for them. Well, it is. It's a logistical nightmare, and that's why it can lead to cost fragmentation in one region and not others is because we're on so many different blends. So you can't take a blend of gasoline for Arizona right now and sell it in California. So fragmentation is inefficient. So to your point, if the EPA, I mean, <laughs> the other challenge is the EPA doesn't regulate California, Matt, the Air Resources Board, the California Air Resources Board does. So if you take the most stringent specification and in the United States and then just say everyone use it, it would probably in the long run be much, much more efficient. It would likely very much reduced, uh, reduced the uh, the peaks that we see in prices, because instead of a refinery in Utah not being able to produce a gallon of gasoline for Miami, for for all these other areas, it would be a common standard. Common standards are really good. Um, in many ways, would it cost us a little bit more on, on a you know daily basis? Sure, it cost everyone a couple pennies more once everything got ironed out. But the bigger thing is it would reduce how high prices go. It would reduce when prices explode in the corn belt. Other refineries in other areas of the country could just send them gasoline. So, and if we stuck to it year round, Matt, it'd be even better because mm -hmm. then instead of having two major, you know seasons for gasoline just use the same clean burning uh, gallon all the time but like i said it would take a couple of years to phase in or that's how it should be done so that refineries can get positioned for it but once it's in in effect it would cost us a little bit more every day but it would more importantly remove the spikes or at least it would greatly tone the spikes down but there's, so, a, there's a there's a precedent within our federal government to to allow for things like that. I mean, the Federal Communications Commission, you know, regulates airwaves, uh, radio signals and television signals and and cell phone tower signals. And, you know, you, you know, uh, uh, one of the big three cell phone companies can't. Uh, do signals a specific way in one state versus another state. It's, it's a federal blanket thing. So why not? Why not fuel? Why not yeah, that kind of a thing? 
It's interesting that the EPA only has regulations from June through September. Uh, those are the warmest months, though. I mean, the EPA's Environmental Protection Agency, and as it turns out, those winter blends don't create as much low-level ozone um, in the winter months for the EPA to be worried. Now, maybe if the EPA said, you know, this is what we're going to do and this is why. But yeah, it, I, I don't have an answer to that question about why the EPA only regulates. I mean, some of these areas, again, only deal with pollution or, or the pollution's only a problem in some of the warmer months. But again, back to the refining story, Matt, a lot of politicians are just missing the boat on why gas prices are high. Everyone's saying, Thanks, Joe Biden. I mean, Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa incorrectly last week or two weeks ago said, thanks, Biden, for the rise in price, but it had nothing to do with the price of oil. And everything, the fact to do with a, a refinery in Pine Bend, Minnesota was down, a refinery in Oklahoma was down. There was the BP refinery here near me was also partially down. It's amazing how politicians are missing the boat. It's not about the price of oil all the time. It's more frequently becoming what's happening at refineries as the reason for price are going up. Because, Matt, you can have all the oil in the world. That oil could be $5 a barrel. But if there's one refinery that only processes 100,000 barrels of oil a day, that could lead to gas prices that are $10 or $20 a gallon. Because it's not always about the price of oil. It's about how many refineries can refine that how much gasoline they're producing from those barrels of oil, how much diesel they're producing from those barrels of oil. The world relies on refineries. That's why it's called crude oil and not just oil is because nobody's filling up with oil. Everyone's obsessed with the price of oil. And while the price of oil is a major factor in what you're paying to fill up, the lack of, of refining capacity is another problem. And that's why Californians are paying more right now is because there's simply not enough refining capacity to be able to meet demand. Interesting. So, hmm. Yeah, I'm still advocating that I think we could, there's a better way to do this. I. I <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, hey, there, there absolutely is, and and you know what? If the Biden administration, you know, if somebody, if some politician said, "Hey, let's 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 make it easier for expansions to happen," you might just have that. But this is where it gets a little interesting, Matt, because um, refineries probably don't want to spend billions of dollars to create expansions because the United States is also, you know, the administration has been pushing the transition to EVs. So is it really smart and in investing in BlackBerry stock when the iPhone has been around for four years? Probably not. The same reason it's probably not smart investing in a new refinery or a refinery expansion when you're going to be seeing more of a transition to EVs. I mean, that's that's the way we stand now. So that's how you have to look at it from an investor. Oil companies are probably going to be very careful and not invest in additional capacity because that capacity could be remedied, um, you know, pointless. 10 or 20 years from now, if we make this transition. So I'm assuming that the Kevin O'Leary, the guy off Shark Tank, Mr. <laughs> Wonderful, his his idea several months ago when he was all over TV saying, I want to build a new refinery. I want to build a new refinery. I know how to get it done. Uh, I'm assuming he's probably gotten nowhere with that. Well, I, I think he's realized his idea is very, you know, short sighted. I don't think he'd, uh, you know, have much of a return on investment. So. You know, it, it, and that's what that's what refineries face is it sounds great, Matt, to do that. But you have to wonder if it's, you know, the U.S. is probably not the best place to build a refinery right now because because of our political environment, because of our transition over to EVs. It might make more sense if a refinery were to invest in China or a developing country that will rely on hydrocarbons, because let's face it, hydrocarbons are established. They're mature. A lot of economies that's been, the you know, they're. 
I mean, EVs have been, you know, batteries are still expanding and in terms of the technology is still growing. Uh, it's not even close to maturity yet. There's probably a lot more, but hydrocarbons are relatively mature, right? It's, it's established. We know uh, it's a safe bet. And that's why a lot of third world countries, you know, that's the de facto start. So there's going to be a need for hydrocarbons well into our future, Matt. It may not be in the United States, but it may be in countries like Africa or countries in Asia that are still developing or even South America that are still developing that are going to still need those liquid hydrocarbons to power themselves. And that's why refining in the U.S. may not make sense, but it might make more sense. Like uh, the massive refinery in Dengot, uh, Nigeria in Africa is, is in the process of starting up right now. It's a massive 650,000 barrel a day refinery. Now it cost five to $10 billion and it took five to seven years to build, but Africa is going to need those hydrocarbons for years to come. And that's why it's probably not smart to invest in a refinery expansion in the U S I'm just going to wonder out loud and let these ideas take flight, if you will. But the thought process comes to my mind that uh, as the American consumer, the reality of EVs kick in, uh, the difficulty of taking long haul trips kick in um, and other aspects. I just wonder if maybe there won't be some kind of a compromise where perhaps the federal government may look and say, OK, OK, uh, instead of 100 percent EV, how about we do a modified hybrid where you know your vehicle is electric for short yeah. trips and then flips over to gasoline for longer trips um, simply because of the massive inconvenience you know right now you can pull into a gas pump uh, and you can be filled within just a few minutes whereas if you're taking right. uh, a trip from Kentucky to uh, you know Orlando for one of the theme parks and you have an EV uh, you might as well add an extra day's worth of travel uh, by the time you have to stop and charge your vehicle so many times on the way so yeah exactly right it's just i mean thought process yeah i mean exactly right and some of the com companies like toyota they have not fully flung into evs yet because they're not necessarily convinced that that is you know he, here's the problem matt with with making push over to evs it's you're going from one form of energy to another and th so the transition can ev to evs can happen far easier than it is to build all these power plants that we're going to need L look at this here a minute is the problem with that is that the California um, uh, power producer, Edison, says that California needs $370 billion in a grid investment by 2045 because they anticipate demand for electricity is going to go up 80%, primarily because of EVs. Matt, where's that $370 billion going to come from? You know, it, it, we're, just, we're just swapping hydrocarbons for EVs. And uh, to your point, I think I think hybrids, you know, not to go down too much this route, I think hybrids are a good answer because not everywhere in the country are you going to be able to have a modern grid. It's going to be extremely expensive. And well, and, not you know, to mention a security risk and other aspects, right. because if I mean, when hurricanes come uh, and destroy the electric infrastructure, right. then, then you're going to need you, every everything's going to stop because yeah. that's the benefit to liquid hydrocarbon. So I, I think to your point, Matt, you know, I was looking at new cars and I've test driven a Tesla. It's very interesting. It's driving like it's like driving a spaceship. But I think the answer is somewhere in the middle that having a battery with a hundred mile range coupled makes with sense with coupled with an internal combustion engine vehicle that could power the generator and matt to that point what was really interesting to me as i look at cars is i was looking at a mazda the cx5 the new cx5 is a plug-in hybrid electric now it 
it has a motor only to feed the batteries because it's basically it's basically a EV. But in case you run out of EV charge, it has a gasoline engine to power the batteries to recharge the batteries. But it does have electric motors. So a car like that which has, you know, arguably that has too small of a range. It's only like a 27 mile range. And for me in the city, you know, 27 miles is almost nothing. But a car like that, that is a, you know, 100 mile range or so to get 90% of your daily duties done where you have to drive, that can be plugged in. But if on a road trip, Matt, the batteries just, you know, the, the, the combustion engine kicks in to recharge those. It's I think it's kind of a combination of the perfect two. Yeah. Uh, you know, call me crazy, but, you know, uh, maybe instead of uh, putting gasoline in your vehicle for a combustible engine, it's more of a gasoline in there to kind of power a generator that sips gasoline to recharge the batteries while you're driving down the road if necessary. Right. And if you get outside of that range, right, that's yep. when the internal combustion engine would kick in. But otherwise, it can be a plug in plug in electric vehicle. And I, yeah. I could do that. You know, 90 percent of the time, my trips are going to be under 100 miles. But well, but then you also have some security, like if an ice storm. Exactly. Exactly. You can run 100% on hydrocarbons. So it's like the perfect hybrid. But again, even Matt, if the nation went to cars like that, it would reduce demand for gasoline very significantly. And even that would give us more breathing room when it comes to refinery issues. And it would also give the the refining industry kind of a peace of mind or, or they'd be able to invest in upgrading their refineries because they knew that, hey, you know, we're not going to need as much demand, but we're still going to need demand into the future. So, again, looping back to our total story here is that a lot of why many Americans are dealing with the pain at the pump is is refinery related, not the price of oil. And once these refinery issues are addressed, thankfully, Matt, I don't know about you, but I'm not driving as much in the summer or as the temperatures cool off. Yep. Nobody's going to be driving as much. And so we're going to get a little bit of natural breathing room in the refining system because demand is not going to be as high. That is is kind of like nature solving itself. So we're coming up here on October. We're at the end of September now. And so these refinery issues will kind of solve naturally because of a drop in demand. Um, there are also refineries that are doing maintenance in the summer, uh, excuse me, in the fall now because summer is over. Um and that's creating a little bit of a, a challenge right now. But once refinery maintenance is done, usually by by uh, mid to late November, refinery maintenance is wrapping up, then we should be in a much better uh, situation. And what that means is that places like California, Arizona, Nevada that are seeing gas prices explode, Matt, they should start to see a decline happening in the weeks ahead. Now, there could be further refinery issues. In fact, earlier this week, Matt, it looked like the coast was clear for LA, for Southern California. It did look like those refinery issues were resolved. The wholesale price of gasoline plummeted. But then again, yesterday, there was a new refinery reported buying in the market, in the Southern California market. And we talked about that last time. Whenever, whatever a refinery is buying, gasoline from another refinery, it's bad news. It means they don't have enough for themselves to meet their obligations. So the wholesale price of gasoline yesterday all of a sudden jumped right back up. That has to be an awkward phone call. Hey, uh, we're out of gas over here. Can we buy some from you? You know? Well, yeah, it, it, it's it's you know what it is is it's a trader um, says you know I need to I need to piece know. together yeah. you know hundred thousand hundred thousand barrels of gasoline. Can I you know where can I get it? And that's where the higher price comes in because if nobody's willing to sell the 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 refinery you know gasoline that they have to keep shopping around and raising how much they're willing to pay until they can find it. 
So that's why prices also go up, though, is because that's the way the market works, is if the homes all around you, Matt, are suddenly more valuable, if they're selling for more, then your home is more valuable. That's just the way the system works. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, um, boy, we've opened a lot of uh, possible avenues uh, for conversation uh, when it comes to all of this, for sure. Um, gas prices uh, across the country. Um, we've talked about California. What What is Washington State and Oregon? Are we talking five bucks a gallon there? Are we talking four bucks a gallon? I mean, where, yeah, where are they at? Yeah, so California's at five seventy two for a statewide average. Oregon is almost a dollar a gallon less at four sixty three, and Washington's almost at five bucks at four ninety six. So the interesting thing about those regions is Washington has refineries of its own. Oregon does not. So Washington state refineries are generally they provide gasoline for Washington, and it's not that California blend. So Washington and California aren't really competing, right? Because Washington has refineries that produce Washington gasoline, and that's why Washington. Washington prices are actually down about three cents from last week and down nine cents from a month ago. So Washington is kind of its of an island on its own, whereas California has seen prices go up 21 cents because California's refineries have been having issues and because they produce the California blend of gasoline that's needed. So those two states are neighbors, but like prices in Oregon are also down eight cents from a month ago. So Washington and Oregon are going down at the same time California is going up. But Nevada, Matt, is also up 22 cents. Why? Because Nevada gets its gasoline from those Southern California refineries. And Arizona is up 12 cents in the last week, Matt, because, again, they are tied to those Southern California refineries. So whoever gets gasoline from those Southern California refineries, your prices have been going up. And that's why California basically Southern California, not so much Northern. Southern California, Nevada, Arizona have all been seeing prices go up because of the issues at those refineries in Southern California. And so making our way into the Western, uh, not the coastal area, but like uh, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, um, like we'll kind of go through the map, so to speak, like where are we seeing, I know cheaper prices probably in Louisiana, Mississippi, probably Texas, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. But what are some of the other price breakdowns that you're seeing? Well, Matt, you know, a lot of areas, of the Corn Belt, as we mentioned, those issues, right, are, are pretty much in the rear view now. So compared to where we were a month ago, yeah, or I, let's do a week ago, um, right, because everyone's like, okay, this is the direction I'm going. But for areas of the Corn Belt, a lot of decreases, Minnesota, the um, the Dakotas are going down, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, uh, Oklahoma are all going down. And by the way, um, Georgia also plummeting in price because Georgia had a gas tax holiday. And so the price in Georgia in many areas is down about 30 cents because that's what their gas tax is. So areas of the Midwest, the Great Lakes, the Corn Belt have gone down. Areas of the Rockies, it's kind of a mixed bag, but the upper Rockies have been getting hit with refinery maintenance and outages. So areas like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho are actually up a bit here in the last week. Florida saw a price cycle. So Florida is up. Much of New England is up. Um, and again, California is up significantly as well. So you know, Pennsylvania is up only up three cents. New York's flat. Maine is basically flat. So New England is up, but just ever so slightly. The biggest increases are definitely out west where California is up 21 cents. Nevada is up 22 and Arizona is up 12 cents. Everyone else is kind of quiet. 
Um, and then there's big decreases happening in the Corn Belt and the Great Lakes. Michigan's down six cents. Iowa down eight cents. Illinois down seven cents. Minnesota down eight cents. Iowa down 11 cents. Missouri down six cents. Uh, North Dakota down 10 cents. So the national average has basically only been inching down, Matt, because you have a tug of war. The West Coast is pulling the national average up. And then you have the Great Lakes and Corn Belt trying to pull it down. And the balance of that tug of war is that the national average is only inched down by a couple cents a gallon compared to where it was a week ago. Hmm. Well, that is uh, hmm, interesting. Very interesting. And uh, I guess with regard now, we did t last week or the week before we talked about the Northeast, especially a lot of the homes that still heat with oil. Yeah. You're, you're, you mentioned a bit of a, an uptick in pricing for gasoline in that region of the country. Is that because the refineries are beginning to switch over uh, or, you know, trying to supply that heating oil aspect that they don't need to worry about in the summer? OK, so let, let, let perfect, perfect segue into the price of diesel. Diesel and heating oil are basically the same product. And so uh, uh, diesel prices have been going up and they're likely to continue going up. The national average for diesel a month ago, Matt, was 432. Right now we're at about 457. So diesel prices have gone up. And this is kind of the difference between gasoline and diesel. Gasoline prices are likely to moderate into the months ahead. Diesel prices may continue to see upward pressure in the months ahead. There was actually a really piece, uh, interesting piece of news that hit um, yesterday or the day before that Russia is now starting to have some issues at its refineries. Uh, the sanctions might be starting to hit. And refineries use something called catalyst. And uh, refineries in Russia are apparently having a difficult time getting new catalyst in to replace the old catalyst. And without that, uh, they're not going to be able to yield as much product. That is, refineries in Russia are going to have a, a problem producing as much heavy diesel, as much gasoline. And so Russia actually told its refineries, basically, they're limiting how much of their fuel can be exported. And so that's something to keep an eye on, because if Russia is not exporting as much diesel, that's going to mean there, there could be even more pressure on diesel because it's got to come from somewhere. And Russia is a big producer of diesel. So that that could further enhance the price of diesel in the months ahead, Matt, is what I'm saying. And, and I mean, diesel is already likely to go up in the months ahead because of the home heating oil consumption in the Northeast. And also, uh, if the economy improves, Matt, diesel is the fuel that powers commerce, right? From semis to construction equipment to, you know, just about everything driven by commerce ships, right? Um, bunker oil, marine oil. A lot of that is very heavy oil. So watch the price of diesel. It could uh, it could continue to go up in the months ahead. All right. Shifting on to some weather related items. I know we've been keeping an eye on the tropics. Still very much hurricane season will be until November 30th, though it starts quieting down usually toward the end of October. Uh, in fact, in September and October, you start really looking for anything serious uh, to develop into the Caribbean and the Gulf, not so much mm -hmm. off the Horn of Africa. So right now uh, we are basically just seeing uh, a potential tropical storm development off the Carolina coast that uh, for this weekend that may impact uh, or is expected to impact the Carolinas and Virginia, some rain in Washington, D.C. and such, but really no infrastructure damage at all. It's not expected to be all that strong. Just a strong thunderstorm, essentially, with a lot of rain is what we're expecting. Not a whole lot else out there uh, on the horizon. There's a little bit of a, a thing coming off of a, a little blob, if you will, coming off the Horn of Africa that black bear watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's a blob of clouds uh, coming off the Horn of Africa that does bear watching. It is uh, 
uh, following that track uh, at that moment that if it continues its westward track could go into the Caribbean and the Gulf, but we're still a week or a week and a half away from even that kind of a situation. So there doesn't seem to be a lot there uh, that could impact uh, gas prices. Um, but the other- Did you aspect- just imagine the blob of clouds impacting gas prices? I just had to say it. <laughs> that's very true. It's very true. But, you know, that's 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 what a hurricane uh, forms out of is just a blob of of stuff, a blob of clouds, if you will. Now, geo geopolitically speaking, um, is there anything out there that's kind of on your radar uh, across the globe that could create uh, favorable gas prices or unfavorable gas prices? <laughs> well, maybe maybe another blob of clouds. Uh, what's interesting, <laughs> though, Matt, is is watching the discussion between Saudi Arabia Israel and the United States. Of course, you know, the president, Israel, um, having this conversation with Saudi Arabia, a potential weapons deal, I think. But the interesting thing, Matt, is obviously Russia has, uh, excuse me, Saudi Arabia has been cutting oil production. So you get to the table between the US, Israel, and Saudi Arabia, and will oil be part of the conversation? It probably, you know, I don't think it's going to come up, but it could be interesting seeing if MBS over in Saudi Arabia, you know, maybe views producing more oil favorably. So keep an eye on that, but nothing else. I I was just going to say the only blob of clouds is really still the refinery issues that are happening across, you know, wide swaths of the United States. And that's really impacting gas prices in some areas, but not others. All right. Well, there's not a whole lot out there. It's, it's you know, after weeks and weeks and weeks of activity um, that caused such great concern, it's kind of nice that at least yeah. for the moment, knock on woods, keep my fingers crossed, <laughs> um, for the moment, we seem to be uh, in a spot where uh, we can just take a breath and uh, gather and collect our thoughts for just a moment. I'm sure something else down the road will probably, uh, you know, uh, create some upheaval, but for the moment, uh, we seem to be okay. Well, minus those refinery issues, which hopefully will move to the rear view, Matt. Um, I'm hopeful that in the weeks ahead, more Americans will start to see some relief. So let, let, let's let's kind of end it there on a, a positive note that, yeah, we know you're getting hit hard, especially Arizona, Nevada, and California. We're watching it, but we're hopeful things will turn around. And Matt, you know, when it comes to the Over a Barrel Show, by the way, development, we are now on Facebook, facebook.com slash Over a Barrel Show. Um, again, we are, of course, on Twitter or X or what have you, uh, Over a Barrel Show there as well. If you'd like to interact with us, you can always email our show, podcast at gasbuddy.com. Follow and like us. Really always appreciate that and love to hear back from everyone on how they think about the show. If there's any thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. For now, I'm Patrick DeHaan. He's Matt McLean. Thanks for joining us again and have a great day. Oh,